everyone, welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your tired neophyte, Frank. And today we are going to be taking a look at Season 3, Episode 21, Our House. In the middle of our penultimate episode. (laughs) (laughs) To help us through this episode, we have our buddy Jazz here. Hey, Jazz. So before we get too far into this episode, um, I'm going to stick some content warnings. A lot of this stuff is not going to go super hard in the episode itself, but I do feel like there are things that we will probably talk about fairly extensively in the episode. Um, So be aware that we are going to be handling the topics of racism, sexism, a little discussion of abuse, ableism, a moment of self-harm, as well as underage drinking and alcohol poisoning so like i said the episode itself is not super super graphic with some of the handlings of this stuff however um our discussions will probably go fairly hard into these topics um so before we get too far into all of this jazz would you like to introduce our a plot and b plot all right let me try um so we have our a plot which is Sean decides he's going to be a big boy now and live by himself, but watch out, and B-plot is JT is a giant baby, and poor everyone who has to deal with him. Yeah, about sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with this. Um, (laughs) So let's move, let's start with our B-plot. So our B-plot is starting off in Hasselakos' class. JT is sitting with Manny, and as he's sitting next to Manny, Liberty kind of leans in and asks JT about the semi-formal that's going to be happening. Um, JT is, of course, an asshole and is like, oh, are you propositioning me? And then Liberty's like, uh, fuck you, buddy. I am very happy with towers and proceeds to show off her, like, cute little purry curl pictures with him. Very sweet. It is. And then it's immediately ruined by JT saying, oh, well, that's good. He's getting some practice for the mug shot. Yeah. Yikes. 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 It's... And we're off to the races. Right. <laughs> With Degrassi's, Degrassi's the horse that just won't quit. Good old-fashioned racism. Right. It's just like... It's just, just once. Can we get one episode without, like, a comment like this, please? Um, no. <laughs> no, we can't, apparently, ever. Um, it's, it's you know, it, it blows. It is nice to see that they, you know, get along. Of course, that does kind of bring it to the bigger point of, like, why the fuck don't we get any content of this within the show itself? I would love to see what they do on dates. I want to see them go bowling and shit like that. I want to care I about this. I want to see them posing in the Parikura booth. Right? Picking out all the stickers and everything together. Right? Like, I want to see that type of stuff. Like, it's it's like a relationship I don't even remember happening when I watched the show. And yet, I'm like, well, give me something with this. Yeah, this... Well, it barely did, apparently. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for months. This, yeah. This relationship. Yeah. Like, Liberty has been in other episodes since this relationship started, and it's just like, Towers has not gotten an ep- not gotten a, like, single line 
This has not been referenced. I thought it was over. <laughs> like, Degrassi, like... Thanks, Degrassi writers. <laughs> just give me one date. Like, one date between Towers and Liberty. Yeah, like, we have plenty of date episodes this whole entire series. And, like, I can't watch these two hang out and have fun together. Like, I can't watch, you know, the the nerdy girl and, like, the tough boy fall in love. Like, come on. Is it only literally, like, a manga, um, like, storyline, and then they denied us of this. Exactly! Like, like, you're really making my life difficult here. Like, was it only okay when it was Sean and Emma? I see how it is. I mean... Grassy orders give black characters personalities that aren't cringe-worthy challenges. Please. Jesus, fuck. I, like, I'm just imagining it's like, um... Victor Crumb and Hermione Granger's relationship, where Hermione's like, he doesn't talk much, he mostly just watches me. And Harry's like, okay, that's kind of weird. It's like, I mean, we just kind of hang out in silence and just enjoy each other's company. I'm like, alright, cool. Yeah, like, I'm sure if if they actually, like, developed it, that's pretty much exactly how that ship would go down. Like, and it's a shame, because like, I, I actually quite like the premise of it. And I feel like... But I also feel like it would have addressed a lot of the uh, themes that they were interested in covering with, like, Emma and Sean. But, you know, I feel like with Emma and Sean, the ship sailed in many ways. They're literally, the relationship is done. So when they discussed Sean's descent into being one of Jay's, you know, part of the bad boy group, there wasn't as much of a... a uh, there wasn't as much tension in the sense of, like, oh, I'm losing somebody I care about to this. It was the tension of, I fucking hate you because you broke up with me. In the case of Liberty and Towers, we could have actually saw some sort of exploration of that. And it would have been worthwhile. Um, so, I've, I've been trying to come up with a poor mental for um, what Jay's gang is called. Because they're all kind of goons and they're all kind of cronies. So, I was thinking Groonies. <laughs> oh, no. Or croonies? Croonies. I'm gonna go with croonies. Croonies. Sure. Oh. Jay's croonaroonies. Okay, so, but also... <laughs> the rat pack. Woo! <laughs> oh, okay, but also, we're missing... We missed out on the phenomenal B or A plot of a group... Like, this group going out to hang out. Sean. Ellie. Liberty. Towers. Um, Jay. Level D. I forget the, the other girl's name. Amy? Not Amy. Uh, did Alex? you name Alex? Yeah. Alex. Alex. Man, that would have been good, too. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, give me that crew going to a movie. Oh, my God. Give, give me, like, you know, like, um, Alex and Liberty, uh, like, teaching each other things. Oh, that would be so cute. I would really like that. It's like it's like Liberty being like, this is how I do, this is how I write a five-paragraph essay in a really fast, efficient way, and Alex is like, this is how I make a fucking shiv. <laughs> I, didn't wa- <laughs> I didn't want to go Alex is brandishing a blade, but, like, you know, just, like, Liberty's like, no, 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 like... You see, I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and they say to clean the, the blood off the blade to make sure it doesn't dull. Thanks, Liberty. 
Snick. <laughs> no, if you punch them here, it'll hurt more. Man, this is just a oh, man. I need Liberty scientifically making Alex stronger, like, immediately. That would be so fucking good. Here, Alex, I've made you a room where the gravity increases. God. It's just... <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Well, it's achieved Super Saiyan episode title card. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> I mean, I guess that kind of speaks to, like, the amount of potential and, like, how little care this whole entire relationship really was put into, like, had. Like, there was no effort. And, like, it feels like it would have ended up addressing some of the themes that we've seen in this season a lot of times much better, I would argue. Because I feel like... Even, like, the Ellie and Sean going on a date. Like, I, I appreciated that that B-plot was about Ellie learning boundaries and, like, learning how to, like, care about her friends while also caring about her partner. But it would have been really fun to see Liberty kind of in a situation like that, trying to take Towers out on a date. Jay and Alex are also there. And, like, a true fish-out-of-water type of experience. <laughs> but, like. Well, the the boys going off to confer of Jay being like, oh my god, I just I can't with her, and Sean being like, come on man, Towers really want like really likes her. Yeah, Towers is like, hell yeah, I do, because he actually gets to speak. <laughs> it's just like I. Hey, Towers ready to fight Jay because he said some shit about Liberty, right? Um, oh, man. like. I, I feel like this show was too planned out and not planned out enough. I feel like that constantly watching Degrassi. Because I'm just like, give this to like a modern writer, and like they're gonna see like, okay, this group, just put them in an episode together. It's gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. Like any modern writer would see the utter utter joy of making this crew like a going concern, but like. You know, I feel like there's, like, we've said it before, they just have the wall of subplots, and this just happened to be the subplot, and it's just like, no, you don't understand where the money is. The money is here, in this crew of misfits. Well, it's, I feel like, if you listen to our podcast, it sounds so contradictory, and I feel like the reason why it sounds contradictory is because of this, where it's like, sometimes we're like, wow, they really handled this really, really well, you know, it picks up, it doesn't get dropped, like, it comes back in multiple episodes... And, you know, you could say that about quite a few plots, some of which have not really been talked about in this season, set foot in season two, and will be coming back in season four. So, like, there are things that they were like, we are, we, let's put a pin in it. It's not always going to be relentlessly about this topic, but we're going to get back to it. And yet, there are, like, a bunch of other things that just get dropped. Characters just disappear. Right. Storylines just drop. Relationships just drop. And you're just like, I can't keep up. Like, Like, what is it? And it's just like... I, I do wish I knew, like, what was going on and, like, because, like, sometimes it does feel like, oh, this is so planned, this is so intentional, this is so, like, you know, there's so much heart being put into this. And other times I'm like, you guys were just using a dartboard, right? Like, you were just doing Mad Libs. Like, it just feels like that's what was happening in this B-plot. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, that's unfortunate. It is. Especially because, like, if, if, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does feel like a lot of the the more half-assed plots do tend to be centered around, like, more characters of color. Oh, 100%. Than, like, white character. 100%. Yeah. So, unfortunately, probably, like, while not, like, greatly calculated, still, like, 
subconsciously calculated by just inherent racism of, of white writers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it really sucks because it's like, there are characters on Degrassi that I think are beautifully crafted characters. That said, they are overwhelmingly white. Yeah. You can yeah. you, you can say, you know, I, I still think that Marco is an excellent character. And, you know, I do appreciate that even though he is a white character, he still has, like, an attachment to a culture and things like that. But at the end of the day, he's white. He is a white character. You can say that, you know, Paige has, like, really well-done moments for her, once again, is white. Like, you know, you can say, like, oh, well, Craig had a really good season two and, like, did a great job. Once again, white. Like, it. there's this consistency here. And then, meanwhile, you have the, you know, you have the actors that are play that are not white, that and they are just being told left and right, like, oh, you know, let's not go in this direction, we don't want this character to go in this direction, no, the fans don't seem to click with this character, blah, 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 and, like, is there racial bias at play also on the part of the viewers? Absolutely. On the other hand, looking at the content itself, not many of these characters, like, a lot of these actors are really making something out of nothing. Specifically Hazel's right. actress. She's a right. superstar. She's a fucking superstar. It's unreal to me, like, how much she's really, like, she's just taking these scraps and she's fucking selling it. I cannot wait for the movie that has her as a character. Yeah. Yeah, in between seasons we're gonna watch a movie with her in it. I'm very excited. I hope, I... I think I looked up, she's not, she's supporting, but not, like, unfortunately, I don't think the lead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're, like, three seconds into this, like, B-plot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, we did on a real heavy tangent, all right. Oh, this speaks to how little we care, unfortunately. Anyway, so JT makes a snide remark about Towers, and Liberty says that, you know, you should ask Manny. Um, and JT kind of refers back to how his crush on her kind of dissipated, especially after you got the look, um, saying that, you know, she's not into me that way. And Liberty is, like, very supportive and is just like, wanna bet? And, like, she's, she's putting so much effort into this relationship with him. And it's so undeserved. Like, why? It's just like, I hate watching her be so supportive toward him when he has hardly given her an inch. Let's, like, find Manny a better partner. That's what Manny wants. Right. Find Manny anyone other than didn't, didn't we come up with... I feel like we sh- were shipping Manny with somebody else. Uh, back when Manny and Emma were good we discussed that a bit that was earlier before obviously before the tensions of the season um i don't know if we had any other ships for manny though yeah it's it's weird because manny is like a weirdly isolated character and in some ways it's literal especially in like the third season like she is being pushed aside you know because of her undeserved uh reputation but I also feel like ultimately, like, her relationship, like, she doesn't have very many deep friendships in general. Like, the only person you could make a case that she had a deep friendship with is Emma. That obviously has its issues. But, like, Paige just saw her as a way for the Spirit Squad to succeed. And a lot of the time, Manny has had tension with a lot of other characters or has kind of been grossed out by them and things like that. It's actually incredibly sad when you really think about it. Yeah. 
But uh, I'm I'm sorry. Do you have anything on it, Jazz? No, I just remember like. Well, we can get into this later as we discuss more. I just felt like powerfully sad for Manny this entire episode. Yeah, like even um, we were looking at yesterday. We were recording an anniversary, the anniversary show stuff, and we were flipping through the DVDs. And as we're flipping through the DVDs, like, we notice um, in this season they have, like, the cast lined up, and they intentionally have Manny, like, a foot away from everybody else. Looking oh, back at them. That. Yeah, it's, it's very sad. And they put Rick on one of the covers. Ugh. Yeah, it's true. Rick. It's fucked up. But, um... Anyway. Anyway, we go to the next scene. We're in the hallway... Um, JT smiles at his own cardboard cutout, referencing back a couple episodes ago. <laughs> um, and he's, like, you know... <laughs> what is, oh my god, that was, that was another amazing thread. If, if, like, people kept pulling planks on Radish, and they just kept posing the cutout to look like it was JT doing things, and they're like, JT, wearing that same outfit again! <laughs> I would love that. They really... Oh, Truly, a bunch of opportunities were missed in this episode. <laughs> the cutout, the cutout, the cutout, not JT gets detention. Fuck, he gets Saturday detention. Put that fucker in, <laughs> fucker in the library. See what he, how he likes it. <laughs> the last half of season three, just Radish slowly going mad. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Um. Anyway, I'm I'm hesitating because I don't want to talk about what Spinner says. Yeah, right. Well, JT, you know he's feeling good, feeling fresh. He buys two tickets for the semi-formal, um, and Spinner approaches him at the table and asks if the second ticket is for a girl or Toby. Ha 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 ha. And then JT quips with, "It's for Radish." Ha 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 ha. Fuck you, Degrassi. It's just... It's such cheap shit. And, like, the thing is, is, like... I do want to be clear here, because I feel like it's easy to conflate what, you know, our issues are with this, as if, like, we, we, you know, we believe that everything needs to be, like, entirely absolved of, like, doing the wrong thing. And, like, that's not at all what I'm feeling about this. My gripe with this whole entire fucking thing is, like... Like... There's ways to have jokes that aren't fucking this. Like, they're not... They're just, like, cheap shots. Like, they're not satisfying. Um, have JT say, no, close, though, and he looks across the hall at his own cardboard cutout. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> and they play that, like, dreamy music they sometimes play for crushes. Oh, that would be really good. That's actually... Like the slow-mo camera angle pan over to the cutout. <laughs> that would be so good. I mean, instead we get a slow-mo uh, pan to Manny. This is, yeah, like, you know, now that you bring this up, Jazz, like, there were really weird, weird use of slow-mo in this episode. There's so many, so many weird slow-mo cuts, right? Like, yeah. God, I thought I was just, like, losing it. No, 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 no. There's, like, they're really out of place. And she's, like, walking. She's wearing a top that's very of the time. It's cute. I'd wear it. It's very dated, though. <laughs> it's like a really weird, like, what, multicolor block print with, like, a, a weird almost keyhole cut out in, in the front. Yeah, it's true. 
It's it's a choice it's to have in slow-mo. <laughs> it probably will. Like all of these things are on the verge of coming back in style and I I fear. But you know, we'll see if the cropped hoodie will come back in in that way. God, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know, JT is like, yeah, you know, googly eyes over at her. And Spinner says that, you know, oh, well, she's a better choice if you're, like, looking to get to get some, he says specifically. Uh, uh, hey, Spinner, remember when you were talking about, um, about how there's too much pressure on girls to have sex? Hey, remember, oh, was that only in reference to your own sister, you double standard asshole? Well, that's the thing about this is like go 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 join uh go join Emma in the double standard like penalty box. Well, that's the thing also, and it's just like, you know, JT tries to counter with like you know how would you handle people talking to Paige like that, which is which is not a bad point to make, and it's just like, you know. <sighs> It's just like, and then he says something to the effect of, like, how Paige isn't a slut who goes after, like, people's boyfriends. And it's just like, there's this element to Spinner. I mean, I guess it's also kind of just the way that season three was approached versus season one and two, I feel like. I feel like in in certain ways, I think Spinner's characterization was altered significantly to suit the needs of this season, and I feel like Craig's were. Unfortunately, both of them became sexist, like, worse-off sexist assholes because of it. Craig's is more disappointing because I think we have more clear moments where he's definitely just in season two where he truly believes that there are issues in inequality, much like the Taming of the Shrew project that he and Ashley does. Spinner, I'm not ter- I wouldn't be surprised- like, Spinner, his characterization in season three is not surprising to me, but it does contradict some of those, like, brief moments of what I perceived as clarity throughout the early se- throughout the earlier seasons, where he's like, hey, don't fucking do this shit. It's fucked up. Don't pressure girls. Hey, you should get condoms. It also is just incredibly ignorant because your fucking girlfriend is a survivor of sexual assault, and you fucking know that. That's well. That's the point. I, I I was trying to find a way to to enter this line of discussion because just like a handful of people know what actually happened the night Paige was assaulted. Yeah. But the rest of the school knows something else. Mm-hmm. So. That's, this is what they're, this is the real consistency in the writing for me, of just, like, Spinner should know that, like, because of the shitty way high school and, like, these kind of things are looked at, Paige would also have a reputation, also undeserving. Both of these women do not deserve to have, like, all the shit, you know, put on them for this. Agreed. And it's just, like... We went from Spinner in season, like, Spinner in season two, who seemed to understand things, and now it's just like, he doesn't understand anything. Yeah. He is like, we need a pig head, he's our pig head. And it's it's such an odd person to make be the pig head, because between him failing to recognize this idea of having a reputation, how women are unfairly put into having these reputations slapped upon them... 
to a certain extent, even his his deep homophobia when he's dating somebody whose brother, whom she loves dearly, is gay, and then also has a friend who's gay, like, it's just, it's, it's, I understand why from a storytelling perspective, but it is a shame that it is at the expense of some of the more positive moments in the past two seasons. I mean, Jay is around now. Yeah. Jay is right. In- you could have had literally any other character, like, you introduced a new character, and then, for what, like... So you could regress the characterization of like someone who is clearly developing. It's it's wild and it's just bad writing. Yeah, point like, blank. We had a whole episode where Terry wanted to quit a plus size modeling campaign because some asshole on the street like made her feel bad about her body, and then Spinner comes in to do the right thing and like be like, "Hey, those people are wrong. Like, just do that again." Just yeah. have some random kid come up and say to JT, like, why does it have to be Spinner? Why does, yeah. like, why is this writing so bad? <laughs> yeah, why does Spinner have to be the fucking garbage disposal here? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't either. And it, it's just, it's a thing. Um, but he he's, you know, saying this type of stuff, and JT is, like, visibly upset, and Spinner just kind of continues you know, really, really trying to make his point clear and saying that, you know, she has a reputation for a reason. Which is incredibly awful. Um, mean, the next time we see this plot is in a class, Liberty approaches Manny, um, and, Man- and, you know, asks her about the dance. Manny says she's not going. Um, and she says something which really broke my heart, where she just, like, it's not like anybody wants me there. Was I was so upset. Like, I think the literally the only note I wrote for this one is, like, Manny being excited about the dance and, like, super happy emoticons or sad emoticons because, like, I just, my heart went out to her. I just wanted to, like, give her a hug because my poor daughter, she does not deserve this. It's so true, though. Like, she's had such a shit year. Like, such a fucking shit year. And... She's been treated like dirt in so many ways, and it's been, like, unrelenting. I mean, at one point in Accidents Will Happen, she says, like, basically the only fucking thing that was going okay in her life was, like, gymnastics. Like, that's how dark this shit is getting for her. Because we don't, like... We see the conditions at school, but considering her parents are supposed to be, like, super strict, like, even though, like, you know, she spoke to her mom about this, we can't, and, like, her mom okayed, you know, helping her out, like, it's still probably not great. There's still, I I can't imagine how hard that, like, going home to that must be. Yeah, and, like, even... Even if the mom is, like, not, like, you know, oh, I'm going to reject my daughter or things like that, like, she still has to, like, kind of, there is still that processing piece to it, right? And I'm sure this is something that the mother would need a while to make sense of and figure out how to interact with Manny afterwards, after knowing this information. Not to say that, like, you know, that's necessarily fair to Manny or anything like that, but it, it wouldn't be surprising to me if... The mother went, okay, yeah, I'm going to support you. I can do this. And then after the f- after that, everything kind of sets in. And she's like, I don't know how to talk to my kid anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, who is my kid at this point? Um, 
but Liberty is trying her best because Liberty knows what it's like to be treated like garbage. Yeah. At this awful school. Yeah. And and Liberty's like, hey, there is somebody who likes you. <laughs> or there is somebody who wants you there, too. And Manny's like, it can't just be you. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean. Liberty, Manny, OTV. <laughs> I can get behind this, though. I can get behind that, but I can also get behind just like, hey, we're your friends. We still care about you. Fuck Craig. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck everybody. I care about you. I mean, also, like, I also feel like it's... I, I, I feel like this is something I need to kind of, like, r- really think about more to fully articulate. But um, I know we talked a little bit about this, or rather, um, somebody contacted me about this after... Um, the like pride in particular because we were talking about um marco walking through the gay district and things like that and a person responded with like you know that was one of the first times you and one of the only times that you saw a gay character trying to connect with the lgbtq community as like a unit and something i've been really thinking about here is we have a pretty diverse fairly diverse cast here and yet we have incredibly isolated characters in so many ways. Like, we have marginalized characters, but they don't build a community because of it. Mm. Like, you don't see characters coming together and trying to make something out of, the, out of you know, trying to make a connection because of their marginalization. To a point that you have these characters who are, um, you know, these characters who are not white, and yet they are incredibly isolated from each other. There's not really a, a faction that is able to develop at all to, to exist. And, and you see this really happen when you see Liberty and Manny interact because they have had moments where they've been in the same scenes together, but they haven't really had much time to really grow together and grow in individual friendship. Emma's always there. Now Emma's not there. They never really had a leg to stand on. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, in order to actually, like, get characters of color together to have any kind of, like, communion, for lack of a better term, you would have to have, like, writers who who actually, one, would recognize that that is the thing that, that people of color need to do is just to, to form their own coalitions to get away from whiteness for a bit, and then, like, actually have the thought to do so. Unfortunately, I don't think that even, like cross their minds oh no I'd be surprised if it did oh no i don't think so at all i i and i think that this is something that many writers who come from privileged groups fail i think that this is just a huge yeah. margin of error that privileged writers kind of take because they don't really realize the power of communities the power of building communities in in you know making connections because of your marginalization but it is it is sad when you see these two characters interact and by virtue of the you know the way that the writer's room skewed in terms of demographics these two are talking like at each other and and have been with each other literally since the jump Mm -hmm. and yet have very little actual interaction with each other yeah. And spent a lot of their time isolated and having plot points about how isolated they are. Yeah. Um, and this is like a line that I love because it's just. Liberty is all about getting facts across, so she doesn't exactly do eloquence because she's like negative. It's a certain, shall we say, friend of yours. I want Mandy to be like, 
there's no other way to say that. You just said exactly what it is. <laughs> a friend of mine wants to ask me out. Well, you, you couldn't have said, like, there's somebody who wants you to get up all in his fries. <laughs> Fuck, I would have lost my mind, though, if that happened. I would have oh fucking lost my noodle. Um, but, but, yeah, so, you know, Liberty does bring attention to JT, and Manny's pretty excited about it and wonders if he'll ask. Um, next scene, we're at the front of the school, and JT is walking out of the school and sees Manny sitting at, like, the, you know, the announcement board, Degrassi school sign. Um, and as he sees her, Craig kind of plops down next to her, um, and JT becomes very, very, very upset, even though the interaction doesn't really give way to anything suggestive at all. It literally just looks like Craig sat there, he's talking to Manny, like, even their body language, they're just both sitting ahead, like, they're not leaning in toward each other or anything like that. But JT still is deeply offended by it. He Good walked... I'm sorry? Good old JT. Yep. Um, he walks back to the ticket booth and she's like do you give refunds on these and as he's asking manny approaches him and is like hey jt like i was waiting for you um and jt's like well i saw you with craig and he and she was just like he was checking in on me um and she's like a bit apprehensive to kind of disclose why he would check in on her like she kind of stumbles on her words a little bit um but, you know, she was like, you know, like, we haven't talked to each other in a while and things like that. And JT is just, like, absolutely, un like, unconvinced that that is why the conversation happened. Um, and God, Manny just breaks my heart because she's just like, well, what? Did you expect me to just, like, run off and have sex with him or something like that? And, you know, everyone forgets that he's the one who cheated. And just runs off and my heart fucking broke. The only note I had for this section was JT, you piece of shit, and I think that about sums it up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's so heartbreaking watching this kid go through this, especially because it's like, in, in the process of her being so isolated, we are watching her get dumped on constantly, and like, mm -hmm. we don't even know if she has a teacher in her corner right now. We, we don't really see, like, Hasselako seemed very just, like, very intent on winning when she was coaching gymnastics. She didn't look particularly interested in fostering a relationship with anybody. Manny seemed to have a pretty okay relationship with Snake, but obviously that's going to be fractured because of Emma now. It's like, we don't know if she's seeing Sauve. Like, we don't know if she has an adult in her corner right now. Like, yeah, okay, the kids, they suck, I get it, but, like, sometimes you can get through that if you have somebody else in the school that's kind of cheering you on, and I don't know if she has anybody, and she's an incredibly resilient kid to be able to be, like, breathing at this point, I feel like. Any protection squad. God, she fucking needs one, and it's... It's so sad. Like, I didn't realize, I, I did not remember how fucking sad this whole entire arc in season three is for her. And what sucks, I think, the most about this particular arc is that, like, I don't know that the writers necessarily wrote it in a way that 
you as an audience is supposed to to get that perspective like what you're feeling what we're feeling about Manny I don't even know if that was the writer's intention to like have the audience feel bad about I don't know either like uh, that's the thing about the way that this is is written like I think this moment is fairly is fairly sympathetic to her but I feel like it's one of the first clear-cut sympathetic moments like I feel like as a young viewer I was not particularly sympathetic to Manny during this point I I I and I, I don't I never I don't really recall ever hating Manny I don't think I ever hated her I definitely liked her more in the back half of the series than in the front half of the series for various reasons, which Frank will find out, but um, I I felt like it, it, with her, like I just was kind of like, you know, I was sympathetic to Ashley. I you know I I felt bad for Ashley, and I didn't you know I didn't hate Manny because of it, but I still was not like cheering her on either. Right wasn't necessarily like something that you thought about like because you were too focused on Ashley's reaction to the situation versus like Manny's exactly exactly yeah it, it, yeah I, I think I remember reacting to the same way yeah it's like it, it's a very like kind of interesting thing I think also speaks to like when you get older and things like that and like I feel like my my empathy toward a lot of these kids like it's so ramped up watching this at this point it's way more ramped up than it ever was when I was a kid so I feel like I look at these things with a little more I don't know I don't even want to say objectivity I don't really think it's being objective I think it's just with a lot more empathy yeah like especially growing older like might not necessarily have gone through those exact same situations but just like you know, either knowing people who have or just, like, becoming an adult and recognizing that these are situations that people can be in and that there are multiple sides to stories and and just kind of gathering that, I, I guess, like, maturity helps us to, to be able to look at these characters in, in different lights. Precisely. Well, yeah, I think it's a lot of, like, when you're younger, there's a marked... Like, when you're younger, everything is simple. It's black and white. It's good and bad. Yeah. But, like, you know, now now that we're older, we can say, like, yeah, like, cheating is a not great thing, but it's also complicated because of all, you know, gender roles and, like, the way we look at cheaters and, like, how we deal with them. Or the way that we look at somebody who was not necessarily cheating, but was, like, the the other person yeah. in the relationship. And, and that is an incredibly... That can be, not always, but can be an incredibly complicated situation, especially in the case of Manny, where she was being lied to. Yeah. As well. Like, she, yeah. she was not being told... You know, you know, could should she have necessarily maybe like you know the first time around, you know, maybe if they were a little more mature, they could have talked about it and been like, maybe that tonight is not the right night for this. But you cannot blame somebody for being outright lied to the second, like you know, in in the course of holiday, and uh, and all of that type of shit. And this yeah, and it goes right back to the reputation thing that everybody around her just saw her 
just salt, like, eh, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's it's just very sad, and it's it's sad watching this kid suffer for literally an entire fucking season. She's she's suffering for Craig's lie. Yeah, but she's also yeah. suffering, but you I would even venture to say extend it out. She is suffering for fucking wanting to not just look like, you know, dress in a way that was like in what she's found to be too cutesy. Back in You Got the Look, like, she's been punished literally since the third episode of this season. Like, she has been punished continuously for this. Oh, but, um, it sucks. So, we go on to the last scene of the B-plot. Uh, JT backs his swan boat into somebody else. The, how hard he's backpedaling. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he approaches Manny and he apologizes, um, and he's trying to explain his point of view, which, who cares? And then keeps basically asking her to, to the dance. The only reason why I'm not gonna totally harp is the fact that she is, like, kind of smiling and kind of rolling with it. She looks a little more like she's, she doesn't look entirely inconvenienced by the fact that he's trying to invite her to the dance, so I'm not gonna spend forever analyzing this part of the scene. Um, and they do have it, like, basically, like, he keeps asking, she's just kind of, like, smiling a little bit and calls him a jerk and walks off. Um, he, op then I will say the last bit is kind of cute, because he opens up the door, she curtsies, and he heel clicks as they walk inside. And that was probably the cutest part of this whole entire fucking B-plot. And that's nothing! <laughs> yeah. That is a, yeah, I will agree. That is a bare fucking minimum. They look cute when they walk off the screen and away from the episode. Oh, he did a heel click. It's only cute when he is leaving my sight. It's like, I love that. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. This new pile is bad! It just wasn't good at all. It just was a waste of time. And I feel like all of the JTB plots are like, like this. They always end in this place where JT ends up getting more accolades from a girl than he ever deserved. Whether it's Paige, whether it's Liberty, whether it's Manny. Like, he gets showered with, with, um, I don't even know what, with, with positive response for him being a little, like, little shit. Just imagine how revolutionary this episode would have, this B-plot could have been. If JT, like, Spinner's just like, uh, yeah, she's got a reputation, and JT's like, don't give a shit! And, like, she's just like, hey, I want to take things slow, because of how badly they're like, like, don't care, let's just be, like, boyfriend-girlfriend. And, like, the show's just like, see? This is what you do. You show respect. You don't care about what other people say. You just enjoy each other's company. I mean, yeah, but then you would have had to, like, what, make the B-plot be about Manny? We can't do that. Like, you can't make it be focused on Manny. You can't have her be focused on her trying to unpack the trauma that she's been through this year and, like, have her realize that that trauma, you know, though it's real and valid, does not mean you are, like, undeserving of being loved. We can't teach girls that. And then the last, the last scene is them, is Dona Marco... Um, are driving by Craig, and then in the back is Manny and JT, and they throw an omelet at uh, Craig, and then follow it up with throwing hollandaise sauce at him. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> 
What the fuck? Because <laughs> they're classy. So they, th- they don't throw eggs. They throw a full omelet of hollandaise sauce. Okay. <laughs> but just like, uh, I'm so sick of these shows just be, like, it's like the fucking Gillette or whoever commercial where it's just like, hey man, we can be better. And every man in the world's like, how dare you? It's just like, hey shows, your men are dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we need positive role models, like, that aren't just dudes in tights. Like, show men being respectful. Show men, like, doing the right thing. For the love of God. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but maybe have, maybe not have only your gay male character be a, an okay dude. Like, <laughs> I never thought I'd say, well, somebody think of the straight men, but... Dara? I think of that. Yeah, like, will someone think of the, the the hats? Like, it just feels like it's, like, like, it feels like the only character that remotely considers other people's feelings that's a boy on the show is Marco. Everybody else, like, just, like, has shown their asses and quite a bit. Jimmy occasionally. Jimmy occasionally. Jimmy, okay, here's what I say. Jimmy also. sometimes. Jimmy sometimes. Jimmy... Jimmy is also, like... Jimmy's Jimmy will love you until you've wronged him. Yeah, and that I can't blame him on, because I'm the same way. I think the thing <laughs> about Jimmy is he he is the better best example, I think, of the balance between, like, this is a realistic boy and this is still a good boy. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. he, he still has, a, like, a, a side to him that is a little snide and a little surly, like any other teenage boy, what I would expect... What I would want from a teenage boy, quite frankly, to be, especially in a story, but he still has enough redeeming qualities to him that, like, you know, he, you know, he, he is overall an okay human being. He definitely has a, you know, when he is wronged, he is wronged, and that person, you know, it's gonna take them a long time, if ever, for them to be in his good graces again. But for the most part, he's, he's a pretty decent balance i think for more or less i think he could be done better but all things considered not the worst but to be the only good head boy in Degrassi. right but like god that's bleak that's fucking dark especially because like spinner and uh craig had such heel turns this season <laughs> when, I, when people say heel turn i'm just not all i can imagine is now Degrassi has a wrestling Degrassi wrestling AU. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Um, shall we move on to the A plot? I don't know if we have anything else to say about the B plot. I'm surprised we milked this much about the B plot. Yeah, no. I'm I'm good. I just want to give a quick Dahlia and Basil update. They were cleaning each other. It was so cute. I love when they do that. It's literally the cutest fucking thing. Cats screaming each other is just, like, the most wholesome of wholesome things to ever exist, and I don't understand how people cannot like cats. Especially my cats. They are so good. Like, just my last thing about the, like, the B-plot is, like, I know, you know, consider the heads or whatnot. I'm not saying, like, like, we have to give them more time than it, but just, like, for the love of God, like... 
can we just show some of them not being awful monsters? Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's not just this show. It's not just this show. It's so many other shows. Yeah, that's, that's why I said, like, you know, Jimmy, I think overall, like, I, I'm good with how, especially Jimmy now, I think that earlier in the series, it was it was really dicey. I think that third season, he is one of the few characters who I think has had a pretty okay transition. Into the third season format, I think that, you know, he has moments where he's pretty, you know, he's a good kid. He has moments where he's, like, you know, a little sarcastic. I'm fine. I'm good with that. But, like, it it just kind of feels like everybody else is just a fucking nightmare. Like, there's no middle ground. Jimmy is the middle ground. It feels like Marco's on one side, Jimmy's the middle ground, and then everybody else is on the fucking shit side. I I just... (laughs) I just feel like, you know, these writers are like, well, if we make them, like, actually, you know, sensitive and kind and not assholes, like, we have nothing to write for, or, like, no drama. It's just like, uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, like, look at 14 or 15 years in the future, you're Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where, like, everybody is just like, hey, this thing and that thing, and you can still talk about things. Ugh. Anyway... Be free of the nightmare of the B-plot. Yeah, let's move on to the A-plot. Speaking of cops, Jay and Sean are at the mall. Yeah, so they're at the mall. They're talking about a musician who shows up on stage in a Humvee. And in true early aughts fashion, Jay is like, we need this disc. However, it's a $50 import. You know, I'm, I know, like, a lot of people, I, I think people were, you guys were talking about scoffing at this. But I tried to buy Morning Musume CDs when I was younger. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. And they were. I just didn't expect that 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 group out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, UB forty or UB forty. Well, the, the larger the group of pop singer pop pop singers pop, pop singers pop singers the more I was intrigued like how does this work anyway um, that doesn't surprise me at all and like those discs were forty dollars like I bought old I bought Shonen Knife CDs those were like also like twenty five you know. So that makes this makes sense to me. I I never really bought import CDs. I listened to bands. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just like avoided that section when I was like in Tower Records. I was obsessed with Nirvana, and Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of Shonen Knife. Fair enough. I mean, I like Shonen Knife now. I got, I actually got to see them live in concert. It was amazing. Ooh, really? They wore those like you know the those paintings where it's just a bunch of cubes and all a lot of them. It's like. White cubes with black borders, and some of them are red and yellow. Yeah, and blue. what the fuck is that called? I can't remember. Somebody but, screaming into the void listening to this anyway. Write us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Yeah, just let me know. Um, they were wearing, like, uh, you know, full skirts like that. Cute. And it was like, there was this dude um, who we just kept calling first Admiral Dad in the concert, <laughs> uh, in the audience. And there was a dude who was very drunk and acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. He was, like this is after the ban on smoking. He was smoking in the in the venue. Mm-hmm. It was at the Nating Factory, so it was a super small venue. Yeah. And then he jumps on stage, does this weird hand motion on his cheeks, which 
was definitely racist. Mm-hmm. And then he jumped into the crowd. And the crowd, as one, opened up. And he, he disappeared. And I didn't see him for the rest of the show. Because the cl- crowd then closed back over him. Hell yeah. Gorgeous. Um, but yeah, they were super awesome. Because they would do that, like, kiss thing. Um, where, like, they would, like, be playing and just, like, you know, bringing the necks of their guitars up in unison. Nice. So, anyway. Uh. Anyway, $50 import. Guy comes out in a Humvee. Um, Jay has, like, a really funny line in response to, like, trying to figure out how they can acquire <laughs> this disc. Please tell me you have the transcript up because his line is, like, really fucking funny to me. Hold on. I've got... Di- I'm sorry? Sorry. Hold on, I've got discount cards. You've got discount cards? Yeah, two. They give me 100% off everywhere. They each take disc, the disc and put them in their hoodies. It's just like, it's so, like, I just love this really, like, corny caricature that Jay can become. It's just so fucking funny to me. It legitimately... I think I have written down Jay's the cheesiest bad boy in my notes, and, like... <laughs> He That's was. all I could think about. He really, truly is. He's so corny, and I lose my mind every fucking time. He's just so comical to me. Like, I... There's, like, characters... I feel like a lot of the time with, like, a lot of the kids, like, a lot of the boys, I get very frustrated. And a lot of my frustration is not so much their behavior so much as we're supposed to see them as heroes it's why jt in particular like really bugs me it's like yeah jt does shitty things that annoys me but the fact that we're supposed to always perceive jt as a hero is what actually irritates the shit out of me i find jay to be incredibly entertaining because i'm not supposed to think jay is a good person saying this i'm not supposed to think that jay has anything of redeeming value really he's a fucking like he's just a fucking bully He's, he's the dude who, before robbing a bank, would say, let's go make a withdrawal. Yeah, like, he's, oh just, he's just super over the top and ridiculous, so at least I can laugh. But, um... But given Jay, he'd pull the ski mask on backwards and run into a wall. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Please. Um, because they stuff the DVDs in their hoodies, and they, like, literally take, like, three steps, and a rent-a-cop catches them. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's literally just like, like, literally like they're barely out of the store and they're like, hey, you're going to pay for those? And they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Jeez it, it's the cops. And like, <laughs> like Sean's like about to try and explain. Jay's just like, let's go. And they fucking run. They do, um, they get to like, they run around like the pharmacy, the food court. Um, and the, they do Benny this. Hill style chase scene. Yeah, and then they do the weird slow-mo again with the Rent-A-Cop <laughs> capturing Sean. Really fucking weird. There's some weird cinematography in this. I gotta say, the, the, the shot of, like, Sean getting clotheslined by a Rent-A-Cop that looks almost exactly like Peter Stormare is very good. It is very good. <laughs> oh my god, thank you for reminding me Peter Stormare existed, Jez. I now know what I'm going to uh, recommend. <laughs> Thank goodness. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Um, so, so, you know, the opening kicks in, and the next the next scene, we're in Sean and Tracker's house, um, which is, like, I guess this show is sponsored by Count Chocula, because there's, like, a front and center bowl, like, in box of it. 
<laughs> okay, so fun fact, I looked this up in the trivia. Uh, everybody say bye to Tracker. Yep, I, I had it in my notes too, because this is Tracker's last episode. Um, and this, the, now that this is the last we're going to see of Tracker, this makes his Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose now look in that one episode even more confusing. Right. It happened, it was gone, he's gone. What? I feel like we have to look at his, like, IMDB and see if, like, he was doing it for another part or something like that. Um, or if they just ice him to ice him. Yeah, like, just, like, I don't even know. Because, like, Jazz, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, Tracker had, like, a hot second where, like, he had bleach blonde hair. It was, like, braided, I want to say. And he had, like, a bandana oh. on. It was bad. It was, like, a bad oh fucking moment. Though, those... <laughs> Like, he had those sunglasses that were, like, orange-tinted. Yeah, it was a choice, like, in every sense of the word. And, like, it was just for an episode. And then, like, the next episode, he was back to his usual self. But it was a weird time. I don't know. But, um, in this episode, he looks like his usual, kind of, his usual brunette, moppy-haired self. Alright, found it. It's a message in a bottle. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is about that episode that that happened. Um, Sean is explaining, like, kind of what happened to Tracker. And Tracker, that, Tracker points out something that we don't know as a viewer yet, that um, Sean is finally off probation. He's been off for a month. And he's like, oh, so this is how you're gonna, you know, this is how you're gonna celebrate. And ask if Jay was the one who organized everything. And Sean is really mad at the implication that, you know, Jay is kind of pulling the strings in all of this stuff. Um, and Tracker tries to reiterate him, like, hey, Jay is bad news. Sean tries to argue, like, no, he's my best friend. You know, this is a very typical conversation. Literally a conversation I had with a middle schooler today. Of us being like, you act like an asshole when you hang out with this kid. Stop fucking hanging out with them. Um, you know, it's a tale as old as time. And, you know, he grabs the, and as they're talking about this, Tracker grabs the phone, he's, like, chatting about some sort of job situation, um, and as he's doing that, he's chastising Sean's breakfast, which is Count Chocula plus chocolate milk. <laughs> so Double choco. Hell yeah. I had, my, my roommate brought home cinnamon buns. I had, like, two of those for breakfast one morning, and I was at my desk at work, so I was, like, my hands were literally shaking. I'm like, how does anybody handle this much sugar anymore? <laughs> I think it's just getting old, Frank. Yeah. When you get old, sugar starts to attack your body instead of <laughs> asserting its dominance over, over other humans. <laughs> I had friends who would, like, regularly pop, like, a Pepsi and a honey bun for breakfast in high school. Oh yeah. And just be like, fine. Yeah. No, I watch I watch like even now, like I watch I watch kids all the time just like inhale just super sugary shit. And like, you know, like they, they like eat like, you know, like a honey bun or something like that and wash it down with like a frappuccino and I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure I would die if I did that at this point. <laughs> Yeah, low-key children eat like monsters, and I I don't know what fuels them. I, I don't know. I don't They're know how. They're sleep. <laughs> like, the worst thing is, like, I see kids, like, all, like, my kids that come there, like, they come to back to the school for, like, sporting events, so they have, like, you know, some snacks beforehand. I'm, like, watching them inhale, like, 
a full-size Starbucks drink, a pack of gummy bears, like, you know, um, a fuck, a fucking, like, pizza, like, I'm just, like, no, McDonald's a lot of the time, and I'm just like, I am ill looking at you. <laughs> when are we gonna eat dinner? All I had for, to eat today was some gummy bears and some Starbucks. Right? But, like, like, oh, my God. They just don't... I'm like, you guys are about to play softball. Like, how are you not dying? Oops. Confession. Occasionally, um, for my birthday in high school, uh, for lunch, since we are allowed to go off campus, I would just walk to the corner store that was literally about five minutes away from my school, grab a pint of ice cream. Like, I think it was specifically, like, a Starbucks brand Frappuccino ice cream that they discontinued and I'm very hurt about. Um, and just down it for lunch. Wow. Just the entire pint. And that would Holy be it. shit. <laughs> That's... I remember there was one specific day where I couldn't finish it during the lunch period, so I just brought it to my last class and just hid in the neck and finished it. That's amazing. <laughs> I I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I'm also finding the the uh, the ice cream you speak of. I found a listing for it, but it says this item is no longer available. My- uh, my fav- my favorite rapper, Dessa, a local ice cream store in Minneapolis, sells Dessa's ex- existential crunch. Oh my god. I, I was very tempted to fly to Minneapolis just to get that ice cream. Oh god. <laughs> Anywho, um, anyway. Tracker, uh, gets a phone call and he's like, what? I thought you said the pizza room was filled. How much does it pay? Hey. Awesome. Yep, so we know that he's getting a job. We don't know what of. We assume, especially because he was kind of in between jobs when we've checked in on him periodically, oh, it's probably some sort of mechanic job or something like that. And uh, quick cut a sh- cut to Sean. Sean looks sad. Sad guitar riff. Yeah, right. Um, so next time we see them, we see Sean. He's in his mechanic cl- mechanic class. Ellie is trying to compliment Sean, and she just, she's just trying. She's trying so hard. This is where the um, laugh track would come in as everybody whoops and hollers because Ellie's back. Yeah, right. Like she's <laughs> trying to compliment Sean on his working on a motor, and she's just like, "I'm sorry, I don't fucking know anything. Like, I love you, but I don't know anything, and I really appreciate your honesty." Um. They kiss, everyone kind of, like, hoots and everything, and then Amy, who we know Sean was with earlier in the season, calls Ellie a, quote, bloodless freak bag, to which Alex responds in a fairly calm tone, going, Amy, you broke up with him. So, yeah, so Amy calls, you know, Ellie a name. And Alex points out, like, Amy, why are you so antagonistic toward her? Like, you fucking dumb Sean. And I love Alex. There's something... And and Alex is just like, there's something about her. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't I... uh, I think I shipped them at one point. Uh, Whatever, I still ship them. Yeah, I I think it just comes back to the idea that, like, all the Degrassi girls would be better off just dating each other. I honestly, yeah. honestly, I don't think there's somebody I wouldn't ship Alex with. I think Alex is a good, just like, 
Because she's, Anybody. She's just such a, like, a badass that I just want her to hang, like, to, I feel like it would, like, I don't know. She can, like, double tech with anybody. Crunch trigger reference. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Just, like... She, like, she's dating Manny, and somebody, like, makes a comment, and just, Alex is chasing them down the hall, like, what the fuck you say? Yeah, like, I don't know, I just feel like Alex is just, I don't know, I, all the girls just need to date each other, like, boys have no, nothing to write home about. Um, ship her with Paige, that's plus two brains, plus one brawn. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> Cause they're both on the grift. <laughs> It's true, though. Oh, my God. That's, like, a story in of itself. Um, Paige is like, I have this idea. We need to do this thing. And Alex is like, but how can we make money from it? And Paige is just like, I like how you think. Um, the next scene we have, we're at Sean and Tracker's apartment. Um, Tracker's smooching a girl, and I don't know her. Wendy. I know Wendy. Uh, Do we meet her? Yes, she's the one... Um, He's smooching when... Oh, is that the girl he's making out with when he kind of stumbles into the... Yeah. Is it? I'm pretty sure. I'm going to double check, but I'm, I I was, like, looking at the thing, the, uh... The wikia? Yeah, and... And we're codependent on... Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, that's very rude to shush people. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she... So he's kissing Wendy... Um, and we see that the kitchen is kind of cluttered, there's boxes, everything kind of seems to be out of its hiding places. Um, and Sean is super confused. Tracker kind of comes over and hugs him and says that he got a oil drill job in Alberta. Um, specifically that they have to leave, like, literally, like, tomorrow. And that it's super hasty and awful, but he's gonna make a whole lot of money. Way more than he if he was staying here. In our house, Wendy helps Trekker peck his belongings as he prepares to move to Alberta for an oil oil drilling job. Is there anything else about her? Um, no. <laughs> so that's it. So we just have this random ass woman. I'm sitting there going, oh, I mean, I know, I know, looking at this, that you know, that's a love interest, but I don't fucking know her. <laughs> Great, love it. Um, but Sean is obviously really upset hearing that about this premise of leaving. The, the actress's name is just Pip. 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 What if somebody's pulling a Great Expectations type scam on Tracker? No, that would be interesting. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so he's like super excited. They have to leave tomorrow, but he's going to make a lot of money. And Sean is really worried and brings up a really good point. They're like, hey, asshole, like, my year will be a wash if I if I leave. I'm going to miss all my exams, and I'm not going to fucking repeat classes. I've already done it before. Which, like, is a really good point. It's like, seriously? Like, there was no, there was no way to, like, get Sean a babysitter for a week. Like, just anything. This Wendy person couldn't stay around. Like... It's, it's a real nightmare situation, honestly. Um, and, you know, all Tracker kind of gives is, like, hey, like, you could stay with our parents. And Sean is just like, absolutely fucking not. It's like, you were just a font of bad ideas today, Tracker. Really? 
it's interesting because like this is not the first time we've seen Sean describe having an issue with like living with his parents and things like that. It is interesting that um he hasn't had like a tearful confession as to exactly why he has these issues with his parents. And I, I kind of appreciate that they haven't done like a very special episode going deep into like why why they suck. It's just like we know it's bad. We don't fully know why it's bad, but we know whatever it is he doesn't want to go back. And and you know, that's kinda all we need for the story. Yeah. Yeah. But um Tracker's just like, well, if you're not gonna do those two like, you know, if you're not gonna go see parents Guess you gotta fucking go to Alberta. And Sean is obviously very, very upset hearing this. Um, and of course, he handles it with no grace, because in the hallway, um, at school, Sean enters and tells Ellie, like, straight up, like, oh, I'm moving tomorrow, guess we have to break up! And she fucking is, like, crying and walks off, rightfully so, because this is a graceless way to disclose that, you know your life is potentially getting upended um and he just watches her walk off obviously distraught by this news we missed the scene literally the worst we missed the scene with uh uh what's her name amy no not amy um alex uh i'm so i'm so sorry they were chatting beforehand no i was gonna um Ellie's friend, the other god. Ashley? Ashley. The other god. (laughs) The other god. I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. There are a lot of A names we're throwing around right now. Anyway, she just comes over. She's like, what the fuck did you do? Right? Like, Ashley would be like, I'm going to throw down. I'm going to publicly humiliate you. Um, But yeah, like, he has no grace handling this situation. Um, And... We see this continue when he's in his shop class. Is this still shop class if you're auto shop class? Is it still that? I always associate shop class with woodworking, but... I think I think it can be. Okay. I've never been in a school that had mechanic. I worked at one, but I uh, that was, like, the only time. I don't know what it was like. I didn't have it when I was a kid. Um, so, they're at the shop class. Sean is working on his final project, which is kind of constructing a engine. And Jay kind of shoves him, and Sean, like, cuts himself on the engine and shoves Jay in response to it. Jay, naturally, because everyone loves throwing this word around, naturally calls Sean a psycho. I feel like every other episode somebody calls someone a psycho. Because nobody thinks it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I does speak to the time period. I know this word was being thrown around a lot, but, like, they really lean hard into this word. And it's weird because, like, they have shown characters respond negatively to it, and yet they don't really have a bigger thing to say about it. Like, it, it they never take, like, kind of, like, the, the ableist, like, hey, this is a fucking ableist word and you shouldn't use it kind of route. In the case of Sean, it obviously hurts him because, you know, he wraps his hand up and then he just shoves, like, he just kind of punches off everything off his work desk. Yeah. And proceeds to hurt himself, like, you know, continue to hurt himself in the process. Um, and then the teacher, Mr. L, I think his name is. Yeah, uh, it's spelled E-H-L. Yeah. Mr. L comes over and scolds him and is like, hey, like, what's going on? And I actually really like how Mr. L talks to Sean. Because I think yeah. 
he he gets how he has to get into Sean's head. Yeah. Like, there's a, a deeper understanding of, like, this is what I have to do to try and reach out to this kid. This is probably the way that I'm going to make a connection with him. Oh, God. And I was just reminded of Cartman going, like, how do I reach these kids? Oh, God. But it is, there is something to be said about that. Like, you know, there is a different way to talk to each and every individual kid. And in Sean's case, Mr. L kind of knows how to do it. Um... And Sean is pretty open about what's going on, saying that he has to move tomorrow and all of that. Um, and, you know, Sean also is just, like, talking about his frustrations with everything and how he wants to be the first person in his family to graduate high school. And there's all of this pressure at play that is more than just, like, I'm upset that I am leaving this thing in this place that I know there's a bigger piece to this. Um, and the teacher then makes a connection with him and says, hey, like, I was the first person who graduated high school from my in my family. Like, I get it. I know what it's like, and I know what you're going through. Um, and then points out that he could apply for what is called student welfare. Um, which I did a little bit of research on. It's kind of hard to find out much information about this because, I, like, if you search student welfare Canada, it, it doesn't really help you too much. Um, but from my understanding, there are some programs in place in Canada, um, in this province in particular, that provide, um, like, 16, 17-year-olds with funding to be able to be in school, um, especially if they are in... Family situations in which, you know, they can't really be with their families. Um, here in this episode, it's kind of just kind of portrayed as paperwork. Mm -hmm. From my understanding of the program, it's a little more involved. There's more work with social workers and there's more work with, uh, like, therapists and stuff like that. So there's more of a, a support element going on in it. But from my understanding, it's a pretty... It is a program that does exist in Canada. Um, so the teacher doesn't really go into those components of it. He just says, like, look, like, if your parent's situation is shit and they're not going to sign off on you being able to be in this program, then I'm going to sign off on it. Which is incredibly kind. Yeah. Um, Potentially and, putting himself in legal danger, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and he also points out he was also the first person to graduate high school. Yeah. And he, like, no, he gets it. He knows what it's like to experience this. And it's a good connection that you kind of see happen. Um, the next scene is in Sean and Tracker's apartment. Tracker asks Sean to help um, with packing. And he's like, you know, this is going to be a fresh start. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And Sean is like, yeah, well, I don't need you because I'm going to do student welfare. Um, and Tracker just kind of laughs and is just like, well, whatever. Like, you know, I paid rent for the rest of the month. I don't give a shit. But you're going to come like, you know, you're going to come running to Alberta, like begging for help because you're not going to be able to live on your own. This is like the worst. Like, it, it was such a maybe uh, probably an intentional like juxtaposition between like Sean's really good teacher showing support, and then Sean's brother just kind of like piecing out and being like, "All right, well, you're gonna fuck up sometime, so I guess I'll see you later when you do." Like the absolute worst. 
Yeah, it's weird because I feel like Tracker, I, I didn't really get the feeling that Tracker was this mean. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Tracker was very inept. I think Tracker has become a parent. Yeah. Because, like, in this moment, Tracker is ecstatic, he's happy, like, he's going to be able to provide a way better life for Sean and him, and then Sean's just like, no, fuck you. Yeah. And it's just like, and, and as much as, like, you know, Sean has not had the best life, like, Tracker, like, is a dude in maybe his, like, mid-twenties? Mm-hmm. Who now has to take care of an ang- like an angry, like you know, teenager, which would be hard for any new parent, let alone like Tracker, who came from the same broken household, and or excuse me, like same, you know, like same history that that Sean did, and it's just like. He did his best, and now he's, like, he's not just happy for himself, he's happy that, like, he can do better for Sean, mm-hmm. and Sean is giving him pushback, and it's just, like, I can understand there being resentment of just, like, look, I, I'm gonna do, like, I'm doing it for us, like, this isn't, like, you know, I don't know, like, I, so I can kind of understand Tracker in this moment, where, like, you know, it's... His parade is getting rained on, and he's, like, he's like, I invited you to the parade. I invited you to stand on the float with me. (laughs) It's true, though. (laughs) That image is very comical, though. I will say that. It is a very good image. It is. It is. What do you you think the uh, goodbye with his band was like? Ugh. I... They said nothing and they jammed for like they did like a full set's worth of content and then they left. They jammed with tears in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, it was very sullen, but there is no words exchanged, only only song, sound, only music. And the last, it's like I'm gonna miss you guys a whole bunch. All right, now here's Wonderwall. Yeah, like just like that. Oh no, just like that. Um, we go into the next scene in the hallway. Wait. Oh. I, I thought this was this this was one of my favorite scenes of this episode, where we cut to Sean in the morning. He comes downstairs, walks to the fridge, gets the thing of chocolate milk. I see that there's a scene before it. I know oh. you're very excited about the okay, chocolate milk cake. Um, in the hallway, Ellie is looking super upset while she's walking. Sean approaches her. And she's like, look, I know, like, long-distance relationships suck, but, like, you know, they can work. Um, and he's just like, well, look at my paperwork. I'm not leaving. Ha-ha. Um, and there's a really cute moment where she kind of jumps into his arms, and it's very sweet, and they kiss. And, you know, I know Sean's not perfect, but I do like this ship. It's a very cute moment. It and is. kind of reinforces my my earlier statement of them having a weird like shojo anime kind of relationship, and this specific like moment between them really epitomizes that. Like the way she jumps into his arms, I'm like, that's literally out of an anime. I swear. I I feel like that might be why I like the ship because I think it does like kind of harken back to that. 
type of old school like early aughts late 90s shoujo like cute shoujo like romances exactly it gives me shades of toro kyo but Mm. i I much prefer toro kyo (laughs) fair enough because kyo was just like oh my god i've been an asshole i need to stop doing this yeah sean is hard because he like sometimes has these moments of like where you He's, I feel like he's constantly on the precipice of realizing he's been an asshole, and he never quite fully realizes it. <laughs> Sean, you should be better. No, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, it's like, he's like, he just, like, he, he's given the, the trail, and he just never quite finds his way to the conclusion. <laughs> Buddy. There's, there's once, there's, I came to a fork in the road, and I chose the path that said, hang out with Jay, as opposed to the one that said, personal growth. Exactly. <laughs> it's true, though. Um, after, I took the path uh, more often taken, and I am all the worse for it. <laughs> um, after this scene, we get to the scene that Frank wanted to talk about, which is at, in his, his now, his own home. Um, Sean gets up, he passes by an epitaph sticker, which was really funny to me, because, like, I feel like that was so of the time, like, a fucking epitaph records sticker just on the wall. Um, and then he gets, he, like, blasts music, and he grabs a chocolate cake and fucking, like, chocolate milk from the fridge. There is nothing else in that fridge. There is nothing! (laughs) But, uh... But chocolate cake and chocolate milk. Okay, but I, I did want to take this moment to diverge just a little bit. What was your... What was... Jazz and Donnie, what was your ill-advised, I've moved out on my own, I'm going to eat, like, whatever I want meal? Oh, I... No, I didn't necessarily make it a meal, but the first time I went to the store by myself in college and realized that I could buy my own fucking fruit snacks... Oh, oh, it yeah. was all bets off. Like, I grabbed, like, two boxes immediately, and I maybe downed, like, one or at least half a box that night. Oh, God. The first time I went food shopping, I think I got, like, a bag of rice, a box of cereal, milk, and, uh, like, a pepper. Nice! <laughs> um, I think mine's a bit cliché. But for a while, I would eat a very specific brand of ramen noodles and green Tabasco sauce. Oh. But only the green, specifically. And I would, like, it was just, like, that was it. That was, like, all I would eat for for a while. I used to, like, eat a lot of that type of shit. And then it would make my, I would get, like, I just, I couldn't, I physically could not anymore. My body started revolting against it. Um. My college meals technically weren't that bad because, like, I had been making dinner for my family since high school. So, like, when I had to cook for myself, I would just make, like, big meals that I could eat off of for, like, a week and then just do that. Not a bad idea. Um. No, it was great. Lived on fried rice for a bit. Um, Makes sense. But uh, my ill-advised, I'm an, I'm an adult meal was two bags of Sour Patch Kids one night for dinner. Ooh. I, I had, would knock back Sour Patch Kids, like, 
Uh, the world was ending. I remember I ate so many once that the roof of my mouth was, like, shredded. Oh, no! <laughs> I, um, there was a time when I would eat those and I would fourth doctor it, but, like, would you like a Sour Patch Kid? <laughs> but, um, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to take that quick diversion. Okay. Yes, necessary. So, but... <laughs> so, the Bad Idea crew is all together in shot class. Yep! Um, and Alex, oh my god, Alex is like, wow, you get paid by the government for doing nothing. <laughs> uh, Sean's like, I gotta go to school, get good grades, I gotta get by on welfare, does that sound like nothing? Um, yeah, and then it's like, you know, Amy's like, can I come over? And Sean kind of like swerves out of it, just be like, everyone can come over. It's fine. It's not just my house. It's our house. In the middle, <laughs> In the middle of the street. In the middle of the street. <laughs> um, so in Sean, in their house, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fucking shit show. It's really dark in there. Music is playing. Like, people are making out. Oh, yeah. Donnie. Got children dancing. Yeah. You know what this reminded me of? What? Uh, she's too young. Yep, yep. This went from. I feel like whenever Jay's crew is involved, it comes. She's too young very quickly. Well, no, because I was gonna say, oh look, bad kids misbehaving. What music are we gonna play? Oh yeah, we're gonna play some good old rap music. Here we go. Fuck you, Degrassi. God. <laughs> God. Um. <laughs> So, like, you know, music's playing, couples are making out. <laughs> Amy's looking really, like, throwing so much side-eye at Sean and Ellie. Yeah, but, like, Sean and Ellie are having fun. Like, they're just laughing and dancing. It's really cute. I will give them that. Um, and this is where we begin to see kind of, like, a montage type of situation. Um, because, you know, where then we cut to shop class. Sean is... Is like you know asleep, and Mr. L has to kind of like rouse him awake. Meanwhile, at the uh, apartment, Ellie and Sean are like eating pizza as Jay and company come over with beer and everything. Amy appears with Amy appears and tries to get really chummy with Sean. Ellie is visibly upset about it. Then we go to class, and and Mr. L is calling Sean out when he comes in late. Um, and I do appreciate this because Sean just kind of, like, is like, whatever, like, I can do your final in my sleep, like, I got this, I'm gonna pass your class, don't worry about it, and the teacher is like, I'm not worried about, like, my project, that's not really what I care about right now, like, I care about the rest of your classes, and if you're gonna pass that shit, which I really appreciated, like, I feel like it's easy when you're a teacher to forget that your kids do have other classes, and I like that he's, like, very grounded and just trying to be like, look, like, you can't fuck up. Like, I've signed a, like, I might go to jail because of the document that I signed. I don't know if they're gonna throw him in jail. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's the thing. It's like there's like a like I don't really know what what he has gotten himself into signing off on that document. I think Sean might go away. Like yeah, I, I think Sean if he because Sean's screwed if he if he doesn't follow through this. But I don't know what the consequence is for signing off on that when you're not the the legal guardian. <laughs> but um. Well, I don't. I don't think like. 
I don't think the jail would be, like, I think maybe a no. fine. Yeah, probably a fine. Because, like, I don't think anybody would sign up. It's like, wait, if the kid screws up, I go to jail? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm very into hyperbole. I'm very into hyperbole. Anyway, um, we go to the apartment again. There is partying happening, and Ellie and Sean are trying really hard to get Sean ready for exams. Um, and then Jay's Montreal crew enters. Um... And Ellie is, like, super concerned seeing this site. Um, the party kind of continues. They get involved in everything. And later at the party, um, Ellie leaves Sean's side. And Amy comes over, very drunk, asking if he wants to see her Avril Lavigne impersonation. I'm <laughs> so surprised. This is our... Um... This is our first introduction to Avril Lavigne that you mentioned. I fucking... I screamed. It was just... She's just in this drunken voice going, Wanna hear... Wanna see my Avril Lavigne impersonation? Proceeds to throw the rock on sign and stick her tongue out. <laughs> hey, Sean, meet the, uh, Montreal crew Moment who... because I, I had to remember, like, what time period this took place. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... Oh my god, it was just, I just became so aware of where I was in that moment. I was just like, oh shit. Um, just felt real old, huh? Yeah, that too. I, I just also want to bring attention that according to uh, Google Maps, and if we assume Degrassi is near Toronto, uh, the Montreal crew took a five and a half hour trip to yeah, come to did. this party. They did, they did. I was thinking that too. I was like, that's not close like i have driven approximately that distance that is not an easy drive yeah like also like i'm surprised that the montreal crew isn't like come to us like a lot of you would be able to drink here because like i know like every teenager i've worked with that's like you know on you know they they for their birthday once they hit a certain age like they party in montreal like such like a rite of passage i'm noticing um so Amy does the thing that a lot of shitty dudes do, um, and just goes, you don't like me anymore. And Sean's like, you dumped me. And Ellie's just like, and he has a girlfriend. And she's holding like a bag, of, like a bowl of chips when she's saying, she's like, also that. Well, we saw, we saw, um, Emma fight. Let's see how Ellie float first down. Unfortunately, it only is just Amy being like, are you a vampire? And Ellie fucking says... Keep hitting on my boyfriend and you'll find out. God. What a beast. I love her. I love how Ellie is like, I will spare, I will waste no breath on this. <laughs> Question, do you think Ashley showed up to any of these parties? Hmm. Well, probably not because Sean and Ashley had that weird hookup. Mm. So my guess is no. Okay. I think that that sounds like something that, that Ashley doesn't would not necessarily want to tell Ellie. I could see her trying to keep that under wraps. That said, I could see her being very, like, distant from Sean because of it. Yeah. Um, in response to Ellie's snide remark, Amy kind of hobbles off. Um, and you can see that she's not doing great in terms of how much she has drank. Um, she kind of just stumbles around, and Alex is chasing after her, um, and as she's, like, you know, trying to be concerned about her friend, 
A fight breaks out right behind Sean and Ellie. Sean then is, like, trying to get them to go outside. And Jay, in the process, gets shoved. They, he lands into, like, a music player. The music starts skipping. And Alex shrieks and draws attention to the fact that Amy is passed out in the bathroom. Um, which Sean then promptly says, asks somebody to call an ambulance. Um, and Jay, of course, is an asshole about it. He's like, it happens all the time at parties. Because he's a dick. Yep. <sighs> and it sucks. It and, sucks. And the possible loss of his friend's life is far less important than keeping the party going. Exactly. Um, I, I like, just, Once again, this thing doesn't... I never drank in high school, so this thing doesn't... Like, how important is drinking to you? I mean... It's, it happens, especially with younger drinkers, unfortunately. Like, this type of st- shit does happen because they themselves don't know their limits. No, and No, I mean, like, I'm talking about Jay. Jay. Just, uh-huh. like, how important is this party to you? I mean... It, I guess, like, maybe some sort of weird street cred, but... Uh, I don't yeah. know. Like, I think this does happen, though, sometimes, is, like... People see this as, like, you know, they put so much of their investment into the party. Because remember, Jay's Montreal crew is there and shit like that. Like, he he has, like, incentive to keep the party going. So when he sees something like this that's going to get in the way, he's, you know, inconvenienced by it. Yeah. And it's annoying, but that's the truth. Um, the EMTs arrive to take Amy, and they thank Sean for taking it seriously. Um, and Jay just kind of whines about how the party has to move, and Sean just is like, no, the party's done. Well, I hope you're happy, because you ground that party right to a halt. Whatever. Yeah. You and your stupid thoughtfulness and kindness, Sean. Way to go. Yeah, right. Um, and Jay kind of tries to blame it on Ellie, um, and it, it eventually spirals into the Jay being like, I thought you were cool type of exchange with Sean. Which... Whatever. Whatever. Sean's comeback was was pretty solid, I will I will admit. Cause he just kinda like what? He like chuckles and then I think he says something along the lines of like, yeah, I thought the same thing. And I was just like leaning back in my recliner and just like screaming to myself, like, ooh, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Um But yeah, so, like, party's over, Amy is at least getting professional help of some sort, so hooray for that. Um, last scene is in the hallway, Jay asks Sean about Amy, and Sean confirms that Amy will be okay. Um, and then we go to the shop class, and Sean unflorals the forms that the teacher has to, has to, uh, update, um, and... You know, Mr. L takes them, and Sean's just like, look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I had a party, um, you know, shit went down at it, I just want you to be aware, and I understand if you want to drop out hearing that. Um, and, and this puts Mr. L in a rough spot, because he says straight up, like, look, like, I don't want to be the person who let you down. Like, I don't want to be the guy who, who did not give you a fucking chance, after so many people didn't give you a chance. And... I need to be convinced before I do that. Um, and Sean begs, and quite frankly, I feel like he didn't have to do much, but <laughs> I get it. I, I, I guess Sister Al just need a little bit of reassurance here. Um, and 
it's, um, and you know, Sean's just like, oh, like, can I work on my project? And Mr. L says, yeah, you can. And by the way, he like chicken picks the fucking keyboard. It stressed me out. I hated watching it. I know. I hate watching like Hen and Pecker's like type at keyboards. It just it gives me a weird anxiety. And I can't I don't know why. It's just so inefficient and they put so much force into each key and I'm just like there are better ways to do this, and, and keyboards existed in some capacity far longer than I have been alive, so what's your excuse? How did you fucking use a typewriter, dude? Didn't. Didn't. I think that's the answer. Um, but yeah, Sean gets to work, and that's kind of how the episode ends. C minus. Yeah. Uh, D. Uh, C minus. So it's, it's, it's not, not abhorrent. It's yeah. It's just this is your second. It's also, to... just just like kind of weak and admittedly didn't really hold my attention. Like no, I know episodes of Degrassi can, and I don't know if it was just because like me personally not invested in these storylines, and you made me suffer through another JT B plot, or if the writing was really like just weaker than I expected, but. Yeah, this one, this one was, yeah, eh. Yeah, it just is one of those episodes you would kind of expect to see in, like, season one or two in terms of the lack of depth in either part of the plot, A plot or B plot. Um, but yeah, and also, like, I feel like it's obvious, at least talking with you guys, that there, there were many different ways that this could have been done better. Yeah, um... And there was potential in it, and it's always disappointing when that potential is not fully realized. Give me the fan fiction of Ellie and Sean just having a quiet, like, movie night. Please. Give me the fan fiction of the, like, bad idea crew with, you know, Towers and Liberty in tow. Exactly. Um, shall we go to character rankings? Sure. Everybody's going, most people are going down. Um. Yeah. Spinner, going way down. JT, middlingly down. Manny, going up for being like, hey, this double standard is bullshit. Um, Craig gets to move an inch for showing concern for Manny. Like, it's the least you could do, Craig, I guess. Um, Sean, uh, for... Learning some manner of responsibility. He's on the rise. Um, Ellie, for standing your ground against Amy, you're on the rise. <laughs> Alex, for existing, you're on the rise. Um, Jay, you're an asshole. You're going way down. Um, is that forgetting anybody? Nobody that I can think of. Mr. Mr. Yeah. L is just... Gonna go hang out with, like, Paige and the rest of that crew because he's just being a fucking amazing teacher. That's true. He's a champ. Um, and, um, our first, uh, disabled character. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that part of him, like, I don't know, it's just, it's like, wow, cool, like. Yeah. This, this shouldn't be as rare as it is, but I'm glad that he exists. Oh, uh, li- right. 
Liberty's on the rise for trying to help out someone, even though he doesn't deserve it. Right. Um, Towers, for seeing Liberty's, uh, for, like, seeing, like, how awesome Liberty is, you're on the rise. Good. I, I agree. wish to God you could get a line. Right. Um, so let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are tangentially related or directly related to the episode. I feel like I'm going to recommend things that I always recommend, but the reason why is because I find that they handle the themes in this episode far better. So if you were somebody who was moved by Mr. L and his ability to kind of reach out and make a connection to Sean... Uh, a series that I find focuses on this concept a lot, and it's really enjoyable as Pose. Um, the second season's coming out fairly soon, so, you know, if you want to watch something that talks about, like, you know, making connections across generations and finding familiarity and trying to, wanting to see your mentee surpass you in many ways, I, I strongly recommend that series. I also feel like if you like the ideas of what's happening in Sean's plot and you want to see it done with a lot more sensitivity and effort, I feel like Friday Night Lights and Tim Riggins is always the way to go. Um, especially because the conflict of like the brother trying to find opportunities and being a bit of a fuck-up and having relationships that don't really last and how that all causes stress for the younger brother are themes that are done with way better handle in Friday Night Lights. So either of those series are probably really good and satisfying if you want to see series that take these themes and really bring them into a different level. How about you, Jazz? Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't really have anything super related to the content of the episode. I can pull some stuff out of my ass and make it seem like it's related, but I really just want people to watch um, uh, Ikuhara's new anime, Sarazanmai, which I is about three middle school boys who get turned into kappas, like little Japanese um, cryptids, essentially, and are essentially tasked with doing low-key magical girl stuff. Um, but the... Anime seems to be taking uh, a turn, as as it is with Ikuhara stuff, where he's using really wild imagery and, and obscure motifs and things to, to talk about something pretty serious. Um, the, the core of the series seems to be talking about like connections and relationships between people, and so each of the three main characters has someone who's very important to them, and the goal of these characters is to collect these magical objects in order to grant one wish for said person and so you have all of the middle school boys who we would expect to be like at the most selfish periods of their life essentially being the most selfless and i guess related to at least characters if you want a really good bad boy done very well who is also very wholesome and a really really good boy even though he is also very bad um should watch it because all of these boys are really beautiful and it's the first series that Ikuhara has done with like male protagonists and Ikuhara is now the only uh, mangaka or anime director who is allowed to write male protagonists because they're actually good boys and I want to see more of them. Yeah, I still gotta watch that for sure, but it definitely sounds very it's 
good. It's good. It's his brand of bizarre as usual. Maybe maybe even ramped up a bit. I also didn't watch um Penguin Drum, so I don't know how it compares, but like mm-hmm. it's it's good. I can't speak too much to to Penguin Drum only because like I walked in on Gwyn like finishing it. <laughs> that was not the right time to figure out what the hell was going on on that one. <laughs> it's never the right time to walk in on an Ikuhata series. No, it's just like, I give up. I don't know what's happening. I give up. The music is great uh, in that you one, imagine though. walking in on the end of Utena? Jesus. Fuck. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I will say this about Penguin Drum. For a series that I've only watched, like, two episodes of, I have listened the hell out of that soundtrack. It's great. Ikohata series do tend to have really good music. It, it, the soundtrack to that anime is really, really, really fucking good. I love all the music in it. But, um... Yeah, please watch those on my and scream about it with me on... <sighs> will do. Frank, how about you? Um, I... I said I was gonna recommend something. Do either of you remember what that was? Um, I don't remember you saying anything to me about what you were going to recommend. I said it on this episode, for sure. Um, whatever. I'll figure it out in the editing. Um, considering, uh, bad boys having to move somewhere else to live, I'm going to recommend Persona 5. I (laughs) recommended Persona 4, um, before. Persona 5... I don't know. I just I it's a beautiful game. Um I'd check it out. You don't need to play the others. It's just good. So I'm sorry, that's kind of weak sauce and recommendations wise, but I'm so very tired. It's okay. With that said though, Jazz, you've made it through. Oh wait, no, sorry. Oh Jazz, you haven't made it through. Oh, oh I'm gonna no. recommend Detective Pikachu. There you go. <laughs> good. Detective Pikachu is just a wonderful, wonderful movie. I recommend kissing every Bulbasaur. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> I loved it. Alright, I was about to say something. I'll tell you off air. Sounds spoiler. Good. Yes, that's fair. Um, now, officially, Jazz, you have made it through. Oh, I was. This one was unexpectedly draining, but, you know... It, I am also doing other things, so I I think in retrospect, like this was this was a weird episode, honestly. It was. It had to be done, and I feel like a lot of Sean A plots end up in this weird emotional space. It was also like the Sean A plot in combination with the JTB plot. Ugh, just draining. Shit's draining. Yeah, a bit. Fuck. But um, are there ways that people can continue the conversation with you? Yeah, um, come check me out on Twitter, um, at Jazzaray, J-A-Z-Z-A-R-R-A-Y-E. Um, right now you'll see me screaming a lot about, um, costume stuff, con stuff coming up. Um, although I think by the time this episode is out, maybe my con will already have happened. I think think. you will be free by the time this airs. Okay, yeah, so maybe by the time you, you catch me on Twitter, I will either be chatting about how great my con was, or, you know, adulting and con depression stuff, so, yeah. 
You can chat with me about whatever, but be prepared. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. Um, if you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can also, um, in those emails, you can express any interests that you have in co-hosting. We are in the process of collecting folks for season four, which is very exciting season full of a lot of really intense shit. So if you are interested in getting on board, definitely let us know as soon as possible. Um, also, we are always open for you talking about your experiences with Degrassi, whether you want to send any audio files or any text. We would love to have it and integrate it into the show. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can join our Facebook group, at, uh, which is I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. Um, also remember that we are still running our review challenge. Once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives to listen, to uh, watch and reflect on Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, so if you want to hear us give our thoughts about this and give you double the content, definitely consider writing review and thank you everybody who has done so, so far. Um, if you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee. Any coffee that we are able to uh, acquire is going to go toward tech upgrades as well as compensating our guests. Um, if you would like to talk to me individually, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Um, I have another. I don't have a Twitter, but I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, it's where my sister and I cover all range of um, teen media. When this comes out, we'll be wrapping up May Smooches Month with. Um, Aladdin, and the sun is also a star. Uh, so I hope you'll join us over there, too. Heck yeah. Um, and with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through, and that you're gonna be there with us. So see you next week. Later. Bye! Sister's sighing in her sleep Brother's got tonight to keep me caught, hang around